0: You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Today's podcast is from a recent radio program on true freedom. For more information about our ministry, go to RevivalTalk.org. Well, good morning and welcome to Spiritual Mind, Spiritual You. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey and I'm honored to be here with you today. And I want to begin by reading our foundational scripture, which is found in Romans chapter 12. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 12, and as I turn there, I want to say thank you to Dr. Pauline Hughes and Ronnie for allowing me to come and share with you today on the broadcast. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about true freedom. Our text is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I want you to note that bondage is like a yoke on our backs, on our necks that keeps us from being free. I like the way this scripture in Galatians 5, 1 reads in the New Living Translation. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't be tied up again in slavery to the law. Just a few days ago, we celebrated our nation's independence on Independence Day, July the 4th. We celebrate our independence from England, and many gathered to watch fireworks, and perhaps you enjoyed your family and your friends, you grilled out, you spent time together. And I had a great day myself. But on July the 4th, 1776, the Continental Congress adopted the Declaration of Independence from England and our nation has been described as the land of the free and the home of the brave. We have wonderful freedoms, and we must continue to stand vigilant in prayer so that we don't lose the freedoms that we hold so dear. These freedoms could be taken away by a cor- corrupt or controlling government. We thank God for the victories that we've recently won at the Supreme Court last month, especially the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And now, We're going to have a battle in the states over uh, abortion. The American Heritage Dictionary defines freedom as the condition of not being in prison or captivity, the condition of being free of restraints, especially the ability to act without control or interference by another or by circumstance, the condition of not being controlled by another nation or political power or political independence. The freedoms that we enjoy and celebrate today came at great cost. Our founding fathers pledged their lives, their fortune, and their honor for the freedom that defines our nation today. And this morning I want to talk about a different kind of freedom, not just political freedom. And I'm thankful for the freedom of speech, the freedom to be able to preach the gospel today in the airwaves and share with you And the other freedoms such as freedom of religion that are guaranteed to us in the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights. But I want to talk about a different kind of freedom. I want to talk about a freedom that's available to the believer through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. In Colossians 1.14, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus died for our freedom. Our text says in Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. The New Living Translation says it this way, so Christ has truly set us free. You see, sin ensnares, and it seeks to enslave. Romans chapter 6, verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? One of the lies the enemy will tell you is there is no freedom from the bondage you find yourselves in. You will always have to live as a slave. Sin always seeks to build a throne, an iniquitous throne. You see, we open the door to sin through disobedience. We can open the door to sin into our individual lives, into our family. Or into our community as well. And the enemy comes and he sets up a stronghold. Sin always seeks to rule and have dominion. But I love the words of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 through 21 which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I believe that every believer should live in freedom. Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary so that we might be free, free from sin, free from guilt and shame, free from fear, and free from anything that would enslave or bring us into any kind of bondage. Galatians 4, 7 says this, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Of God through Christ. I love what Romans says. It says, We're heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, salvation is more than just forgiveness of sins, salvation involves the ability for us to live free. Jesus didn't die for us just to live in bondage, Jesus died for us so that we could be free. God's desire for you today is to release you from anything that binds or seeks to enslave. Oh, I love the words of John chapter 8. It's the words of Jesus in the verse 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. By the way, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And notice, it's a knowledge of the truth. Now, that's not just knowing it in, in your head. That's not just understanding it in your head. But that, that's having a relationship with the spirit of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him. They said, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Well, if I were to put that today into a contemporary setting, here's what we would say. We are members of a church and we've not been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Did you know it's possible to be a church member and still live in bondage? Jesus Christ died so that you and I could experience complete, total freedom, body, soul, and spirit. Look at verse 35, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That word indeed means it's a settled fact, a glory to God. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That is a settled fact. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you in our time together about the complete freedom that is available through the blood of Jesus. First of all, let's look at the cost of freedom. Freedom Freedom's not without cost. The freedoms we cherish in our nation have come at great cost. In World War II alone, there was 405,000 US deaths. The Vietnam War, there was 58,209 who lost their lives defending freedom. In the Korean War, 36,516. Precious souls perished in that war Every life that was lost was precious to a family. A son or a daughter gave their life for their country. My wife, Beth, had an uncle who died in World War II. His name was Theo Burdett. He was a twin. And he died in the battle at St. Lo, France. He enlisted on November the 11th, 1942 at the age of 18. And he died in a tank explosion, August the 2nd, 1944. He never saw 20 years old because he died serving our country. He was a member of the 2nd Armored Division and fought in the battle to secure the strategic town at St. Lo, France. He came ashore at Normandy with the 2nd Armored Division on June the 9th, 1944, and he perished. He died there in a tank explosion. They said that St. Lowe had hedgerows and that the battles there were so fierce that it was house to house, street to street, and that in one house they fought over a kitchen and the kitchen changed hands multiple times between uh, the Allies and the Germans. That was a great loss for our family. Every precious soul that was lost, that's the price of freedom. The 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence paid a heavy price to establish this nation. Thomas Hayward Jr., Edward Rutledge, and Arthur Middleton, all from South Carolina, were captured by the British during the Charleston Campaign in 1780. They were kept in dungeons at the St. Augustine prison until exchanged a year later. Many of the original signers of our Declaration of Independence lost their homes, family members, their health, and their lives. Thomas Nelson Jr. was one of the signers of the Declaration from Virginia. What did the war cost him? In November 1781, poor health forced Nelson's resignation as governor. The war had ruined his business and his personal loan of over $2 million to help finance Virginia's war costs, and they were never repaid by the state. He was left a poor man with a wife and 11 children. Living on the edge of poverty, he died of asthma eight years after the 1781 siege and was buried in an unmarked grave at Yorkstown's Grace Church so that his creditors could not hold his body as collateral. When asked if he felt embittered about his treatment, Nelson stated, I would do it all over again. He was a true patriot, willing to sacrifice his home, livelihood, and life. And Nelson personified the closing words of the Declaration of Independence upon which he fixed his signature. And for support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus stands in the synagogue in Nazareth and he reads from the writings of the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. This is Jesus standing in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he's reading from Isaiah. Jesus was anointed, that means he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus came to bring you into a place of freedom that you can only experience through his grace. This is true freedom, true freedom. And listen, the mission of Jesus is our mission. You say, well, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, because Acts chapter one, verse one, where Luke is writing to Theopolis, he has said, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And Jesus said, greater works than these you shall do. What are we called to do? Preach the gospel to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives. I've come today to proclaim that there is freedom to you who are held in captivity by the enemy. Recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those Who are oppressed. The enemy oppresses. He presses us down. He puts heaviness on us. But Jesus came to set you free. From the oppression. Of the enemy. And that's true freedom. And true freedom is a result of the blood of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says this, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Your freedom, body, soul, and spirit was purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. That word precious there means priceless. Priceless in the sense that we can't put a value on it. We can't put a price on it. There are certain uh, artworks and certain things that that society would say that's priceless. In other words, we don't know how to value it. We don't know how to put a, a dollar figure on it. The word precious means priceless. And Jesus is here today to proclaim liberty to those who are oppressed by the devil. What was the cost of freedom? Well, 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your spirit and in your body with your gods. Romans 5, 6-10, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Our freedom is not without cost. Philippians 2, 5-8, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and came obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus went to the cross so that you and I could be free. Jesus provided a means for your freedom. He came to set at liberty those who were bruised and liberate those held in captivity. So freedom came at a great cost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then there's the confidence of our freedom. In James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I know God has done great things for others, but will he deliver me? I know God can deliver me, but will he deliver me? We believe he can, but I want you to know that he will. Perhaps you've been a recipient of an accusation of the enemy. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it calls him the accuser of the brethren. And one of his favorite tactics is to make you feel unworthy of God's grace. To make you feel unworthy of God's grace. I want you to think about that for a moment. The enemy wants you to feel like you're not worthy of God's redemption. You're not worthy of the freedom that's available through the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not worthy to receive all that God has for you. But I have good news today. Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies. So anything the enemy is speaking to you is a lie. You are valuable to God. You have value to the Father in heaven. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 through 31, listen to what it says. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. Therefore, you are, have more value than many sparrows. How do I know that Jesus will set me free? Well, Proverbs fourteen twenty six says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Ephesians three twelve, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. 1 John 5:14. now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The blood of Jesus provides access. We have access to our creator through the sacrifice of Calvary. Jesus himself is the ultimate once-for-all blood sacrifice who has opened the way boldly to approach Father God and confidently live in his presence. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We can come boldly today before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The blood of Jesus provides access to God through prayer. Bailey Smith, a wonderful evangelist, writes, he said, First of all, nothing but the blood of Jesus can give you confidence in prayer. Let the Muslim try to pray, and he cannot, for there is no one who will hear. Let the Hindu pray. Let the Buddhist pray. There is no one to hear, unless you go through the blood that was offered on the Christ. You have no access to the Father. So we have confidence in his ability to not only set us free, but to empower us to live in freedom. Second Corinthians 3.16, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's a song titled, The Blood of Jesus Speaks for Me. The Blood of Jesus Speaks for Me. I want to give you the words to that song. It's a powerful song. And I just want to share with you this beautiful words of the song. It was written by David Moffat and Travis uh, Cottrell. And here's what the lyrics say. My heart can barely take it. He pardons all my guilty stains. Surrender all my shame to him. He breaks the curse of every chain. My sin is great, but greater still. The boundless grace his heart reveals. A mercy deeper than the sea. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. Oh, the blood of Jesus speaks for us today. The blood of Jesus speaks for us today. Hallelujah. You can have confidence in God today because the blood of Jesus speaks for you. A 12-year-old accidentally killed one of his father's geese by throwing a stone. And figuring that his parents wouldn't notice one of the 24 gone, he buried it. But his sister saw his crime and said, I saw what you did. And if you don't wash the dishes for me, I'll tell mom. The boy did the dishes for days. And one day the boy said, I'm not doing them any longer. You do them. And his sister said, I'll tell mom. The boy replied, I already told her. And she forgave me. I'm free again. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ has the ability to set us free. And in our last minutes together, let me talk to you thirdly about the conditions of freedom. We talked about the cost of our freedoms. We talked about the confidence and the ability of Jesus Christ to set us free. But now let's talk about the conditions of our freedom. Throughout the ages, men and women have asked the question, what must I do to be saved? In Philippians chapter 16, in verse 30, the Philippian jailer, after an earthquake that night when Paul and Silas prayed in the prison, he cried out and here's what he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And we know it was a revival in the prison because none of the prisoners left. And the jailer was going to commit suicide and kill himself because he knew he would have consequences that he would have to face if he wasn't careful. But here's what he says. He says, sirs, Paul says, do yourself no harm for we are all here. And he cries out and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? A lot of people are asking that same question today. What must I do to be saved? What must I do? to find Jesus in my life. How can I embrace this freedom that is available? Well, Jesus issues an invitation in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is life. What must I do to enter into this freedom that Jesus purchased for me at Calvary? How do I enter into this freedom? I surrender all. I surrender all. There's a beautiful song that we've sung for many years in the church. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. I enter into this freedom by surrendering my whole being. We surrender everything, body, soul, and spirit. I surrender all. That word all there means all. How often have we sing that chorus? How often have we seen that? And we really have areas of our life that we've not surrendered to him that stay in bondage. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Are you ready to live in complete freedom? The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, I thank you for the privilege I've had today to share with God's people And with those who've listened by the medium of radio, we thank you for this radio station and we bless those, Lord, who are working there and who are allowing us to be on the air preaching that there is true freedom through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that these words that have been spoken today will fall on good ground and bring forth a harvest in its time. In Jesus' name, we ask and we pray.